But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Thank you so much. Thank you very much indeed for that welcome. It's most appreciated. Well, welcome to this. It's the third part in our series, and I have to tell you, I've been really looking forward to sharing this message with you. Uh, and the reason is because, uh, and this might seem a surprise to you, but I believe that every word I'm going to share with you uh, is true. Uh, as I've looked at this Bible passage, uh, the Lord has, uh, by the Holy Spirit, has spoken to me. I feel very encouraged. I feel very helped by looking at this word, and I'm believing that exactly the same for you, that as we look at God's word, he's going to unfold something which will encourage you and help you, uh, really to get a grasp of one massive big truth, that the church is Christ's body, and you're part of it, and you've got an essential part to play. But before I come to those points... Um, let me just tell you about the first time I actually came to church. I know that very many of you came to uh, church for the first time at Kingsgate, and uh, you had a wonderful welcoming up, and you're here as a result of all that. that. That was wonderful. I have to say that for me, it wasn't quite like that. My, my first visit to a church was to a ch little church just around the corner from where I lived uh, in East Kilbride up there in Scotland, and the church will remain nameless. Uh, for the moment. Um, but I have to say that on my very first visit, I didn't get a welcome bag. Yeah. No goodies. No coffee. In fact, I have to say, I didn't get any welcome whatsoever. Uh, nobody in the church spoke a word to me in the time that I was there. It was so bad an experience for me that uh, eventually I had to give a statement. To, uh, this is true, I had to give a statement to the police about that visit of mine to the church for the very first time. It was so bad. Now, oh, thanks for your empathy, it really helps. Um, now, to be fair to the church, that's why I left their name out of it, uh, they didn't know anything about my first time visit, 
because I was eight years old, and along with a friend, a so-called friend of mine, um, I remember his name to this day, but I wouldn't name him, uh, we thought it would be a fantastic summer holiday prank to break into the back doors of the church, uh, into the boiler room, and have a route around, which is what we, we did. We broke in the wooden slatted door, and in we went. I know you're shocked, aren't you, horror? Don't leave yet. There's a good end to the story. Um, and as we rooted around, we found some dusty old hymn books, and not surprisingly, a boiler, right? But there was nothing else there. It was only when we started thinking, oh, there's nothing here, we started creeping back out the hole in the door that we'd made that we met the welcome team. Uh, and I literally came nose to nose with a police dog. Uh, uh, his name, I think, was Razor. That's kind of the impression I got with his handler. And so me and my friend uh, ended up in the back of the police car all the way to the police station where we had to give a long statement uh, as they were trying to put the fear into us, I guess. Uh, then even more fearful, they took us home in the police car. And my parents went ballistic uh, when the police car pulled up outside our house. Now, I have to say, I was a very, very naughty boy when I was eight but not as naughty as that other boy, because my parents said so. They said, keep away from him. He is a bad example. So I'm actually shocked that I still come to church. I'm shocked that 11 years later, I should find myself coming to the church. And not only that, but actually falling in love with the church. So what I want to share with you is coming from a heart condition of mine, which is that I absolutely love the church. From the moment I became a Christian at 17 years old, I belonged to a church then who it was just uh, get working, get active, get taking part. And that's the kind of thing that exactly happened for me. So I, I absolutely love the church. In fact, I think that God has a kind of funny sense of humor. I'm going to take it up with him when I get to glory eventually. When I was breaking into church, I think he was looking down and thinking, okay, so you want to spend your time in church then? <laughs> Jesus, come over here. Make an appointment with him in 11 years from now and don't let him out of the church after that. And so, I've been, so I, from then I've been serving in the church in one way or another uh, as, as a volunteer and then subsequently as a church leader for the last 35 years or so. And I absolutely love the church. So when I read a passage just like we had read to us a, a moment or two ago, I fall in love with it again because I see in that passage that God has got an amazingly high view of you and I amazingly high view of the church and what he expects of it and what he invests in it. This is a glorious church of which Paul speaks. In the passage we heard, we, we heard lots of encouraging language, language describing a, a fully functional church in which every individual, that's you and I, doing our part together are growing into Christian maturity. In fact, I love the, the message paraphrase of verse 13 in Ephesians 4. Let me read it to you. The message puts it like this. The church under the influence of God's Holy Spirit are moving rhythmically and easily with each other. Beautiful, isn't it? Efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. What a vision that God has for me and you that we would be fully mature adults, fully developed inside and out, and fully alive like Christ. 
That's his plan for the church. That's his plan for you. And so as we dig into this passage a little bit, there's so much that could be said. Uh, I recommend to you to read the daily devotional book and get along to Life Group this week where you can explore a number of themes. I've only got time to pick up a couple. And what I want to just focus on are two kind of things that come straight from this passage, I think, which is, number one, how we see the church, and number two, how we serve the church. If we get a handle in both of those, I think my expectation is that our joy in serving is going to go up. Our involvement in serving, whether we're involved now or not yet, is going to go up. Our whole experience is just going to be transformed because of what God says to us. So, I just want to say to those of you who are guests, if you're here for the very first time or you're just getting used to Kingsgate, uh, you, you might not even describe yourself as a Christian yet. Th- this is a message for you too, because the, the welcome mat is out for you. Uh, we would love for you to come to know this Jesus that we are talking about and, and to find a place and a purpose for your life in serving in the church. It's a place, like, believe me, like no other And I believe that for you, there's a place here too. So just listen in with that in mind. And a little later in the service, we'll come back and give opportunity to get connected to that. Now, this week, we're going to have, like last week, we're going to have a memory verse to memorize, to speak out loud, to uh, embed in our hearts. And I wonder if you'd like to read it with me before I launch off into these two points that I've illustrated. So let's read it together. It begins, but to each one. But to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Here's a summary. We are all involved, each one of us. We've all been given grace. That is a gift or an ability to serve. And Christ chose that gift that you've got and gave it to you. Does that make you feel special? It should absolutely. To think that not only did God have a purpose for you, but he had a task assigned for you. Has got a way for you to be involved in the life of the church that is cut out just for you. So this changes, you see, how we see the church and how we serve the church. So firstly, how should we see the church in the light of a passage such as this? Well, I want to suggest to you that we should see the church as a glorious body, a glorious body. Now, the picture that Paul uses to describe the church is that of the body. I guess if there was combustion engines then, he could have used an engine, he could have used an organization, he could have used an army, he could have used any kind of picture, but he chose to use the picture of the human body. And uh, I think there's a reason for that, is that all of us are walking around with a living illustration of what Paul is banging on about. So if you ever kind of forget about the church being a body of Christ, you've got a living example of it with you. You know, instinctively, we know that when every part of our body is operating as it should, we feel well, and the world's our oyster. That's true, isn't it? But equally, the the converse is true. If even one part of our body system isn't working as it should be, we can feel demotivated, or we feel that we can't get to do the things that we're doing. So here we have a a perfect little illustration Paul chooses very well, in my opinion. It's a great picture, too, because we get it. It's timeless. 2,000 years ago, it was true. Today, it's true. 2,000 years from today, it will be true. The amazing complexity of the human body shows you what the church is like. 
Now, over the last few weeks, I've had opportunity, as I was preparing this message, to test out a few of my theories. Uh, I don't know if you know this yet, but a few weeks ago, we uh, welcomed our second grandson into our family. Uh, hey, your picture's going to pop up on the screen. I have his mum and dad's permission to show him there. Uh, he is uh, lovely, a boy, uh, Caius Ezekiel Cohen-Taylor. What a name. Okay, uh, they, don't, they, don't, they love the names of their parents. Anyway, he came over for a wakeover a couple of uh, weekends ago, and uh, you know what I mean. And uh, I was, I, I had the opportunity to hold the baby morning, noon, and night. Okay, um, but one of the things, because I was preparing this talk and I was thinking about the human body and all this, but as soon as I picked him up, honestly, it was like God spoke to me about here is a living model of what the church is like. Because when you hold a, a small baby, he's only about, uh, as I say, six weeks old. You can feel just about every muscle and every bone in their body. Uh, you can feel the, the, well, you know, the whole system working. He, he's, a, he's a crying, eating, uh, yeah, well, you know, he's a machine, right? It goes in one end and out the other. There's a, there's a machinery going on, but you can feel all of his organs and his bones and all the rest of it. Um, I, I did some research and I realized that what was holding my hands uh, this small child has 300 and what's the number? 300 bones in his body, and even as I'm holding him, uh, something amazing is happening because some of those bones are fusing together, so that when he's a fully grown adult, he'll have 206 bones, just like you and I. So that, that to me just seems amazing. As I look to his eyes and, and like to your eyes and mine too, we realise that the human eye can see millions of colors, millions of shades, way, way, way better than any telescope or microscope that we could ever design. And that's just in this tiny, tiny little child. During the first month of a baby's life, the synapses in the brain are multiplying so amazingly quickly as he gets to understand what's going around him, that if the rest of his body grew at the same rate as the synapses in his brain, by one month old, he would weigh 12 stone. <laughs> Isn't that just stunning? Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, that's not my body. <laughs> you know, well, I'll leave for you to decide about that. But, but I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about this body. This body of people look around. This body of people who represent this Kingsgate, this body of Christ. If a baby's body, a human body is amazing, this body is even more stunning and amazing because we can see that we're all gifted by God. God has given us something to contribute and that when we contribute it, we have a transforming effect on each other and on the world in which we are placed. You see, this changes the way we serve completely, doesn't it? Because we, we, we stop thinking, if we ever did, that uh, serving is about doing this job or that task or this rotor or something like that. That, that, that. You couldn't get further away from the truth here. Put those thoughts aside. When you get to serve, as I do, we get to serve the purposes of the living God. We are his body. We are the body of Christ. He is the head. Wonderful. We are his body. One writer puts it like this, Paul repeatedly called the church the body of Christ, of which Jesus is the head and we are the members. In any body, the head is the center of all the important functions, seeing, hearing, speaking, thinking, and willing. All the operations of life flow through a man or a woman from the head 
so does Christ's headship regulate the life of those joined to him in that one spiritual personality, which is the church. I love that. Christ is the head. This glorious, ascended Jesus is the head of this church. Wow. I'll say it again because it needs a bit more response than that. Uh, the, the glorious, ascended Christ King Jesus is the head of this church. Thank you, Father. Amen, amen, amen. Paul said earlier in Ephesians, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Wow. And the church is his body. Here it is again. It's made up, it's made full rather and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. When we serve, we serve the King of Kings. When we serve, we are his body. The church is his body. Who is the church? You are, every one of you, and me too. Therefore, we are the living body of Christ. We are the visible representation of Jesus Christ to each other and to the world. That's a stunning thought, isn't it? And one with responsibility too. Having received Jesus into your life, not only do you have salvation, not only do you have a new sense of your identity, but you receive by the same grace a gift or gifts to use in the service of others through the church. This is an everyone anointing. Every single Christian is included in this distribution of gifts from God himself. Christ has deposited in you something which is essential for the running of this church, his body. Amazing. The grace that saved you is poured out to you. This is an incredibly, I think, unifying experience because it doesn't really matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your education is, high or low. It doesn't really matter whether you think, uh, I'm really, really gifted and there's lots of things I can do really well, or actually you're just thinking of yourself. I'm just thinking, well, actually, I'm, I'm just a simple, straightforward kind of get my sleeves rolled up kind of person. It doesn't matter what's going on in your past, whether you felt it advantaged you or disadvantaged you. All of that is swept away by the gracious hand of God who draws you into his family, calls you his son or daughter, his child, and then calls you to a new purpose, to serve his purposes, to bring the transformation of the world. That's a big thing, isn't it? Transformation of the world by the transformation of our life and the lives around us. That's what God has called us into. I don't think there's anywhere else on the earth that this could happen. I don't see it in clubs. I don't see it in other groups. I only see it in the church. A few months ago, uh, Heather and I brought a friend of ours to the, it must have been the Easter guest service, and um, he was kind of totally blown away. We were sitting with him and kind of trying to worship full on, but with a guest, you know what I mean, uh, kind of controlled, let's put it that way. So anyway, we were praying for him, and he, you know, anyway, afterwards we said, cut a long story short, let's go for a cup of tea and have some feedback. So we went uh, into the coffee shop there, and so we were expecting some feedback. Do you know the feedback he gave? He didn't mention the wonderful worship and singing. He didn't mention the brilliant talk at all. He didn't mention any of the drama. He didn't mention any of the zooming lights and all that kind of stuff. Do you know what he thought was the best thing ever? 
He says, I looked around and I saw that there were old people and young people, black people and white people, people of every age and people of every nation. You know, not every nation, but you, you know what I mean. This was his words. Serving together. He said, I've never seen it anywhere else. But that's the glory of the risen Christ. He's the head of the body, which is his church. We are all involved in this, every one of us. Now, just as an aside, you, you will have heard in the passage, and you read it later in the week, that although uh, Paul says every one of us has got a gift, or at least one, uh, he, he mentions five specific things. You picked it up in the passage, didn't you? Uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, shepherds, uh, and teachers. It's worth saying that uh, they're not highlighted because they're any better than the gift that you've been given. Far from it. I've come to think of it this way. I've come to think of it as that they are the central nervous system of the church. Their role and their responsibility, and it's a high responsibility too, is to equip, that's the word that's used there, the body of Christ. That is to help everybody and all the parts that that all anointing is equipped by a sum anointing so that together we are all serving together well. Uh, and you'll see in the daily devotional that Dave's written about this in, the, in one of the days and emphasizes how much we need those five gifts as well as all the other gifts. So it's worth saying that God has got a sense of what he's doing. He is the head, there's a central nervous system, and then there's all of us serving together. Every person doing their part, that's the vision. That's the way that things happen. It's poetry in motion when that actually happens. Let me just illustrate it even by the, this moment, this exact moment in time right now as I had the privilege of being able to share with you. You see, some might think it was just me. I just go and pray, prepare. Uh, but actually, hundreds of people have been involved to make this moment actually happen. Uh, last night, I just took a moment and I just scribbled down uh, some of the teams that I know that have helped me yet to this exact moment right now today. So for example, uh, I thought about the Connect team who months ago planned that we would do this series. Pastor Dave who wrote his book and all the surrounding material. Then I thought of the sermon team who helped me earlier in the week to get this message uh, right. Uh, and then I thought of the admin team who took my notes, made head and tail of them, typed up all the stuff that you've got on your chair and on the screen here as well. Uh, thank you to them. Then I thought most proficiently of the translation team, trying to get Scottish into Latvian or something. <laughs> Pretty easy job, actually. It's not too far away. But bless them every week. There are people here who only hear this message because someone is translating it. Then I thought there's a sound team, the media team, facilities, uh, the car park team, the welcome team, the refreshments, the cleaning team, the kids team, the youth team, the stewards, the prayer team, the worship team, the ministry team, the TV team, the info team, the pastoral team. And that's not counting all the people who all through the week are doing community action, inviting people to come here, life group leaders and all the you know, group pastors and so on, the finance team, the staff team, all the people who run all the courses. All of that is invested so that I couldn't do what I have the privilege of doing this minute without all those people doing their part. Let's just say thank you to God for every person who's contributed to this. And I have to say, personally, I'm very grateful for everything you've done. It's a perfect illustration of the fact that no one or two people can do it all. It needs everybody. Your part is critically important. From him, that's from Christ, the whole body 
joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We grow into a new level of maturity, a new level of being right inside and out, a new depth of experience of Christ by serving each other. And so that's the vision. That's how we see the church. Secondly, and and finally, how can we uh, serve the body? Well, here's my heading for this. Serve the body with all that you have. I have to tell you, as a church leader, over the years, one of the most uh, encouraging and joyful things that happens to you is when people come up to you and say to you, I'm so love serving in da-da-da-da-da. Thank you for letting me do that. In fact, uh, in, the, in between the services, actually I was out in the atrium and a few people came up to me and said, oh, I just absolutely love serving in this particular area or that area or the next. Isn't it wonderful? And so what I want to encourage you to do is to serve the body with all that you have. Those of you who are already serving, I just want to pray now that you will be infused with a new sense of anointing for that part that you're playing. For those of you who are not yet involved, I just want to pray and encourage you to get engaged, to get activated, to to allow God to use what he placed in you. We need what God has put in you. I really, really do believe that when God gave Kingsgate Peterborough a purpose, he had you in mind. Honestly, he had you in mind that when you would come, the gifts that he's given to you would be used and essential into the life of this church. What God has called us to do, he's equipped us to do by putting together this body that's here. So if you're not serving yet, you're not only holding back and missing out on a few things yourself, but you're holding back and on us together being able to reach our objective. So I want to encourage you to get involved. And to do do so, I'm just going to give you a little insight to six rewards that you receive, or every one of us receive, my own life as well as yours, when we serve uh, the purpose of God in the way that we can. So, okay, anybody want to hear those six rewards? Okay, before we get to the six rewards, there's one reward that's worth remembering. And it's an eternal reward. There will come a moment when we meet Jesus Christ, either when he comes back or when we go to meet him. And what we want to hear from him are, well done, you good and faithful servant. Well done, you good and faithful servant. That's the motivation, is that we want to serve him. But there are rewards eternally, and, but there are re- God's so good. He lets us have some of the rewards right now. So let me share them. You haven't written down very much so far, so I'm going to give you six little things to, to write down, and you can chew over in the week. So, number one, in serving, you belong. It's in getting stuck in that you actually start to develop the sense of belonging. Now, I've been a church pastor for, as you've heard, over 30 years. So I have heard it countless times, people saying, well, I'll I'll get involved when I feel I I belong a bit more. No, 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 no. That's the exact opposite way around of how things work. If you want a sense of belonging to this church, you have to get totally stuck in. You just have to get involved, and that's when you meet people close at hand and you get opportunity to see what is going on. I encourage you, because from serving comes that sense of belonging. If you don't believe me, believe John. Here's his experience. The best thing about being a volunteer is a sense of serving God 
and a sense of belonging within the church. Isn't that lovely, isn't it? Or what about Avril and John? Just to say, you don't have to be called John either to, to serve. If, you, if your name's not John, you're still in, okay? And serving helps you feel part of something bigger, part of a team, part of a family. So that's a reward that you get. The minute you start serving, you get a growth of this sense of belonging to the family of God. Number two, in serving, you release the gifts of others. You release the gifts of others. Now, let me take you in your imagination. Let's say you came to church uh, this morning uh, or, or this evening, Cafe Church people. Uh, you're all got to the front gate here and you're all fired up and ready to do your part. You've got the, if you're in kids' work, you've got the kids' material there, youth work, whatever it is you're going to do, you're, you're, you're ready to serve. But when you get here, you realize that the gates are locked because uh, Paul Stubbings has had key holder has had a long lie, uh, or a very, very long lie if you're coming to Cafe Church. Um, and you can't get in. So what do you need? You need to phone the key holder and you say, I need in, we need in, we want to serve, we want to do what we need to do. Would you come, use your key and let us in? Straightforward, isn't it? But I just want to say to you that every one of us is a key holder to the serving of other people. I gave you the illustration of me just being here a minute or two ago. If all those people that I mentioned weren't doing their part, I certainly couldn't do mine in this moment. You have a key. The gift and the ability that God has given you by grace is a key that opens up the service of others. I love serving and seeing how what I do helps others to get involved. And so it's not just for your own good, but you have the reward of seeing other people's gifts being released because you are willing to serve. When we do what we do, others get to do what they should be doing too. Number three, in serving, you break the bondage of selfishness. Now, I'll just have a little drink before I go into this one. Selfless serving is so countercultural. In our society today, I propose to you that it's very, very powerful to freely serve other people without any sense of like uh, financial reward or anything like that is so uncommon in our society that when you freely agree to serve someone, you are breaking the bondage of selfishness in your own life and in the, the, the breadth of the church too. It's really good for you. It's really good for them. It's really good for the church if we can break this bondage of selfishness. Daniel Goldman, a social psychologist, writes in his catchily titled book, The New Science of Human Relationships, this about self-absorption. He says, self-absorption in all its forms kills empathy, let alone compassion. When we focus on ourselves, our world contracts as our problems and preoccupations loom large. But when we focus on others, we serve, our world expands. Our own problems drift into the periphery of the mind and so seem smaller. And we increase our capacity for connection or compassionate action, aka serving. When we serve, we break the bondage of selfishness. I speak it over myself, I speak it over you, I speak it over this church, that selfishness would have no part in how we think about things, that we would be selfless in our serving of Christ, who himself gave up 
all that he had, gave up his kingship so that we could come to know him. In the, in the greatest expression of selfless service, he calls us to do exactly the same. The bondage of selfishness, we break it as soon as we start to serve others. Number four, in serving, you discover your purpose. I joked earlier on about God looking down at me, breaking into the church and thinking, all right, I'll get him. Sort you out, my boy. You'll be a church leader. You want to get in church, you're in. But the Bible tells me that he knew me in my mother's womb. He knew the purpose that he'd born for me. He knew that I would be standing here in his sovereignty. He knew that, so he must have been laughing up his sleeve, right? When as an eight-year-old, I was helping him out, okay? God has a purpose for all of us. The Bible tells us he knew us before we were conceived. He knows the personalities and the gifts and skills that you have. He knows what has been distributed to us by the Holy Spirit. And he has done so, so that we can, in the words of Rick Warren, who's that brilliant book that he's written, you know, The uh, Purpose Driven Life. He captures it in one sentence, and I absolutely love this. You were created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. Isn't that brilliant? You were created on purpose. God knew who you were. With a purpose, he knows what you were going to do, and for a purpose, and a purpose is the redemption of the whole world that you can be part of when you join this body, which is the church. Listen to others' testimony about the same kind of thing. Uh, Zoe, one of the welcome team here, writes this. Volunteering has impacted me by giving me a sense of purpose. I know my small input is actually part of something great. Now, couldn't we all just do with that second part of that sentence? We know that our small input is actually part of something great. Wow, that's the sense of purpose. We interviewed some young adults, or Gallia did, uh, and one of them writes this young man, I recently started doing the setting up and setting down for young adults on a Wednesday night, which gives me a role and some responsibility, and it makes me feel I'm really part of it. Purpose, purpose, purpose. A reward for serving is you discover your purpose. Number five, in serving, you deepen your experience of Jesus testimony again. I feel that I have grown as a Christian whilst helping others and not just sitting on the edge, says Carol from the children's team. Martin at the care zone, serving me has brought me closer to God. Helping others also helps me. This is not a surprise to us. It's wonderful because this passage promised it, didn't it? That as we served, we would be fully mature. We would fully develop inside and out and be fully alive in Christ. That's the maturity he's putting into us. Number six, in serving, you help to transform lives. In serving, you help to transform lives. You get to play a part, wait for this, in 21st century miracles. You get to see close at hand what God is doing in the lives of others. In John chapter 2, uh, the story of Jesus' first miracle is there, you know, turning water into wine. You know the story. There's a lovely little verse in there which is very powerful in this context. And it says this, the host of the party didn't know what had just happened, that Jesus had turned water into wine in these vats. But listen to this. But the servants, of course, 
knew. Why did the servants know? Because they were because they were serving, they were close to what Jesus was doing. And I think there's a principle there that if you want to see lives being transformed, if you want to see miracles, if you want to be part of that in the lives of other people, get serving. It's one of the rewards of serving is that you get up close in people's lives. Over the last years, I'm just so grateful to God. I've seen people physically healed. I've seen people emotionally healed. I've seen people find their purpose. I've seen people leave a life which was just dire for want of a better expression, and they've come to a whole new and wonderful life. These are miracles that you get to see because you're up close and serving for Jesus. So, let me end with a call to action. This is not just an intellectual sweep through some verses. This is a call to action. For those of us who are already serving, there's an action, isn't there, to re-envision what we do. We're not just filling a rota. We're not just doing a role. We're not just doing a job, however great we enjoy that. We are participating in the, the, the visible generosity of God, the body of Christ, the church. For those of us who are not serving yet, it is a call to action, but it's a call to action that comes from my heart, not because it will be bad for you, but because it's full of rewards. Your Christian life will be enhanced, will be helped, will be strengthened. Your other people will be helped and strengthened by you activating your calling. So I'd like to just pray for us before I hand back to Pastor Dave in a moment or two. So join me in prayer, would you? Father God, we just thank you that you have seen fit to distribute gifts and abilities to every one of us who's a Christian. You have given us a capacity to serve your church. We are so grateful. We're so thankful that you give us opportunity to serve you. And right now, we recommit our lives to you, that we want to serve you with all that we have got and to serve your glorious body with joy. Amen.